Greetings and salutations, sports and wrestling fans all across the wide and wonderful internet. It is time for another glorious edition of Modern Day Gladiators here on the Outlander Media Network. Your humble host, Michael Shibley, with you here, the fastest man at Outlander Media and the ace of Tennessee sports podcasting. We've got another gigantic show for you. Of course, we've got all the wrestling news. We've got some sports data news that I'm interested to talk about and maybe got my opinion on it. I want to hear yours opinion as well. So we got a huge show, of course, to break down everything going on in the world of sports and everything that might have fallen between the cracks. And of course, you can follow us at outlandermedia.net. That's where we get all the great shows, including DLC Respawn, Haffle, Scared Stupid, Deadbeat Radio, the Phantasm Podcast. It's all there. Got a nice media player where you can listen to them there. And of course, wherever you get your fine podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify, they're all there as well. So again, just a great place. You can listen to everything that we've got here at outlandermedia.net. We're out taking over the world. We're going to do our best here. And of course, I'm going to bring it every time here on Modern Day Gladiators. And you can, of course, check out the Modern Day Gladiator Facebook page or on Instagram. Just search Modern Day Gladiators. It's right there. We post updates. We post news bits, everything there. And of course, you can interact with me, Michael Shibley, on Twitter, where of course I post everything, including, you know, stuff maybe not related to sports and pro wrestling. You never know what goes through the strange head that I have attached to my body. But let's dive in. Of course, last week we talked about the uh, group of five conferences, the lower conferences in college football, as of course we're creeping closer and closer to college football season every day. And I'm excited as always, but we're going to break down one of the big conferences this week. We're going to talk the ACC, home of the defending National champions, the Clemson Tigers. Of course, they won the national championship last year going undefeated, dominating most of the ACC, plus beating up on Notre Dame and beating up on Alabama in the national championship game. That was just amazing to see. And this season, it looks to be more of the same. Is Clemson is far and away the best team in the conference. ESPN, the football power index for ESPN, has Clemson as an 88% chance of winning the conference. Even without that data, I was going to pick Clemson anyway. I've also got Clemson, I think, has the best chance to go undefeated all season long as well. But when you look at how it breaks down and the division Clemson is playing in, in the Atlantic division, you've got, of course, Trevor Lawrence, who is just going to be getting better. It was amazing what he did last year, replacing Kelly Bryant and just winning that national championship. It was great to see he could be even better. Of course, he's got Travis Etienne at running back. He's got T. Higgins at wide receiver. He's also got four senior starters on that offensive line. And you get a great offensive line that gels and can protect you. Even if you're not as great as Trevor Lawrence is, you got a great offensive line. You're going to win football games. I've said it many, many times. You give me... A great offensive line, you give me a great defensive line, I'll win with that no matter what I've got everywhere else. I'd be a winning, I'm not saying you're a championship level, but I'm going to be a winning uh, coach if you give me all of that. So that's going to be really good. You do, of course, have some things to look out for. I mean, these are, again, minute things when you talk about what Clemson's been able to do in the ACC. Yes, they finally don't have Hunter Renfro, who of course has been a hero there in Clemson. It seems like for 10 years, it seems like he's been part of the program, but Hunter Renfro is gone and the defense as great as it was last year 
you're losing six of the front seven. But again, I am not going to doubt Brent Venables when it comes to coaching on the defensive side of the football. They're just going to reload. They've got some great guys there that are just going to be just as dominant, and they probably don't even have to be as dominant on defense because of how great their offense is shaping out. The toughest games that they've got, too, because when you look at the schedule, it's very favorable when it comes to what Clemson's doing. You do have a game at home versus Texas A&M in the non-conference. Of course, Texas A&M pushed Clemson to the brink uh, last season, early on in the season, and then they've got to go the next week. That first game is happening September 7th. The game after that is happening at Syracuse up in the Terrier Dome. The Terrier Dome. The Carrier Dome. Why do I have dogs on the brain? I have no idea. We're talking Clemson Tigers. There's not even dogs involved in any of this. But anyway, Syracuse is playing uh, in the Carrier Dome the week after that, September 14th. So again, and Syracuse has pushed Clemson hard. They pushed them last year. Now again, Trevor Lawrence was not playing. He was hurt midway through that game last year. Syracuse had a chance to win in Clemson and wasn't able to do it, and they won the year before up in Syracuse. So again, Dino Babers, what he has done with the Syracuse Orange, you he continues to impress. And Syracuse, I think far and away the toughest competition, really, when it comes to uh, regular season and someone having a chance to knock off the Clemson Tigers, I definitely think it's Syracuse and Dino Babers, at least in conference, when you talk about the Atlantic and the Coastal Divisions there in the ACC. Also, when you dive in and you look at different things, other teams in the conference, which is weird when you're talking Syracuse and not talking Florida State. Florida State, of course, they missed a bowl game for the first time since 1981. I was born in 1983. So that's how long it's been, and just everything just seemed to go from bad to worse for Florida State last year with just, oh my god, it was just a mess when you dive into it, and just some of the issues that they had. They are not all the way coming back from the mess they had, especially with Willie Taggart as their head coach, but they've still got plenty of talent. It's Florida State. There's there's never going to be just a void of talent there. Uh, in Tallahassee but again they're still not into that next level Syracuse is I think the only one again that can challenge on the Atlantic side of the ACC and of course NC State is still going to be a very tough out you look for the Wolfpack to be still a, a great team and be competitive but they do lose Ryan Finley who again was a great quarterback you had there at NC State moving over to the other division the Coastal Division it was just a, a jumbled mess when it looks like what happened, especially last year, where the division champ, Pitt, lost seven games. So you you look at that and who was coming out of that division. Of course, they were no match for Clemson in the ACC championship game. And also, no team won more than seven games in the regular season. So that, again, is something else you really have to look at. The most talented team in the division is is definitely Miami. And again, who knows what's going to happen. They had, they've got Manny Diaz now as head coach after Mark Richt retired. Uh, Manny Diaz, of course, it was a very fun story in the offseason when he uh, accepted the head coaching job at Temple, but then the Miami job came open after Rick decided to retire. And then he's like, sorry, Temple, home's calling. Manny Diaz, a hometown boy, he played for Miami 
all those great things. So he's back. He was able to keep a lot of those recruits down in Miami. So again, there's plenty of talent, but we'll see how he's going to do as a head coach. And are these guys going to be able to gel? And we're going to find out very quickly because, of course, it's the first game of the college football season happening a week before everything else does, August 24th. Miami and Florida go toe-to-toe in a battle of the Sunshine State. Going to be a great matchup. I personally am picking the Florida Gators as much as I don't want that to happen. I think they're more talented than what Miami's got right now. But still, Miami is going to be your best bet. I've got them winning the Coastal Division. The other ones who could probably challenge for it would probably be Virginia Tech. And again, they ran into some real weird issues. They had to fight to get to a bowl game. Virginia Tech, I don't think, can have two bad years with a Bud Foster defense. I don't see that happening. Um, And then UVA, are they going to be able to get enough offense? Their defense should be stellar again. But again, are they going to be able to move the ball? You can't just rely on that defense all the time. They're not going to shut out everybody. The offense is going to have to score points. So we'll see what Bronco Mendenhall is going to be able to do with the Cavaliers. But I do have Miami winning the Coastal Division, but overall, I've got Clemson dominating again. I've got them in the playoffs, and of course, we'll do a full playoff predictor coming up uh, right before the college football season starts here on Modern Day Gladiators, but I've got Clemson getting into the playoffs and winning the ACC. Now again, let me know what you think. I want to hear your likes, your subscribes, your shares, all that stuff, wherever you get this podcast. I want to hear from you, but I want to hear your comments. Again, come at me on Twitter, Michael underscore Shibley. I want to hear what you guys think. You can always drop a question, of course, in the Modern Day Gladiators Facebook page as well. You got a different opinion? I want to hear from it. Or you got a question? I will happily answer your questions live here on the podcast. Now, one of the things that I did want to talk about, and this is going to be really interesting because I want to hear what you guys think. Uh, This debate always seems to come up when things, someone makes a statement, something changes. It's an adage that seems to be as old as the first time we had people talking about opinions of who, which guy out of the cave could run fastest away from the saber-toothed tiger. You've had this opinion of... Then they offer an opinion in something else, and then people tell you, stick to sports. That's the most interesting thing I always get when you're talking someone like myself, who is a big sports guy, big pro wrestling guy, when you offer other opinions, and you you get people who just say, well, you're just a sports guy, what do you know? Because the big thing has come uh, after this this last couple of weeks here, Dan Lebitard of course, who I always respected. I respect Dan Lebitard immensely because he's able. To, he's been able to be successful in print, uh, audio, and visual media, which when you're a triple threat like that, you can do a lot. So, I mean, not every sports guy can do that. I mean, Tony Kornheiser and Michael Wilbon can do it, uh, some of those guys. So, I've always respected Lebitard for doing that. But it was interesting where he was on his, his radio show and he talked about the send her back chants that were happening at the Trump rally and offering his opinion about that, but also really being critical of ESPN's new policy. Their new president, um, the old president, John Skipper, had let ESPN, and when you really look at everything, how far they skewed to the left when they talked about a lot of political opinions and different things, especially with what Jamel Hill was saying and things of that ilk where – 
uh, Skipper has been out of ESPN, but now the new ESPN president, Jimmy Pitaro, had been in for a few months now and had a new policy in place where they didn't want talent on ESPN airwaves to discuss politics unless it pertained directly to sports. That's why you could have... People, of course, talking about Colin Kaepernick and the politics behind that. You had, of course, everything that happened with Megan Rapinoe and the U.S. women's national team. You could add that in because it tied into sports. But Dan Lebitard on ESPN's Airways went out and was talking about the, the Trump political rally and criticizing ESPN's new policy. But what's interesting, though, is when you look at the data, and this was found out, and it got out on uh, in onto media sites. ESPN did some in, internal uh, surveys and were surveying people, and they hadn't released the results yet. But they um, journalists were able to get their hands on this data as uh, Pataro came out and and defended his position about ESPN being a lot more hands off on politics. Where you find that, according to ESPN's own data. 85% of avid sports fans do not want politics talked about on ESPN. 74% said on any platform of sports they didn't want politics talked about. Um, and this was 84% of Republicans and 69% of Democrats. So, again, you, you see that so many people go to ESPN or FS1 or NBC Sports, wherever they get their sports information – they don't want to hear a bunch of political talk as well because you can go anywhere and find talking heads talking politics ad nauseum. We have way too many 24-hour news networks talking about all of that as well as if you're getting it with, with your sports, it gets tiring. And again, it comes back to that argument of sticking to sports because there's a lot of smart people in the world of sports, who have plenty of other opinions about things, Dan Levitard being one. I like to think I've got a lot of different opinions. I'm a very educated uh, person who has dabbled in a lot of things and has a lot of experiences that I can offer my opinion on different things. So it's this interesting dynamic of sticking to sports. One of the things, though, there's a couple of things I wanted to, to break down with this, though. The first one is when you talk about sports – or politics. And when you get into the politics, one of the things I think ESPN ran into trouble with was the fact that it was so far skewed one way. They went very left with a lot of their politics, where you know, especially if you look at data, most, the vast majority of sports fans, well, not the majority, but sports fans, it's very balanced, especially depending on what sport you're talking about. If you're talking about especially NFL football or golf, or baseball, it can be a much more conservative uh, or right-leaning uh, sports fan base. When you're talking basketball, it could be a very further left-leaning database. You have all those different things when you look at it. So again, when you only have, you know, Joe Sixpack comes home from work and wants to hear the latest NFL news that's happened, and he gets people on there talking about disagreeing with Donald Trump and things, and he might have voted for Trump. And he just gets sick and tired of hearing all of that. Why does he want to keep watching the sports on ESPN? He's going to change and go to another sports platform. 
to get a lot of that, especially, and again, the NFL is still what drives the bus when you talk about ratings and you talk about everything that moves the needle. It's the NFL. It's football. It's not the NBA. It's not Major League Baseball. It's definitely not hockey or golf or anything. So when you have so many people offering the opinion and it's only the same opinion, nobody's being able to debate that because you're only offering really one side of the argument that can get frustrating, especially for half your audience. You you can't just pay attention to Twitter. If everybody paid attention to what happened with Twitter, then Hillary Clinton would have ran away with the 2016 election if you were only paying attention to everybody's opinion on that. So you have to realize that there's a bunch of people who are watch ESPN who are not on social media. They're not on Facebook. They're nowhere. They tune in and they want to watch sports, but they don't want to hear that opinion. And yes, you know, Hillary Clinton did win the uh, the popular vote, but again, <laughs> it's not that far when you look at the percentages of people. So almost half the country has a different political view than you do. So it's this balance. So again, if you want to offer it, you've got to have more than just one opinion. And the other thing is, and this is, I think, where it can be key, because when you look at what Dan Lebitar did, he also did it on ESPN Airwaves. You could have the different opinions about what Jamel Hill said, but she was only doing it really when she talked straight politics with nothing tied into sports. It was always on her own Twitter page, so it wasn't owned by ESPN. And that's where I think you can get into a lot of this stuff. You know, I try again on this show... I'm only talking politics when it pertains to with going on with sports, and I'll have another story about that coming up in Shibbles and Bits. But you see that it might be there might be some opinions on say my my Twitter uh, handle, but see again that's where I have that. That's this is all my stuff. But again, I believe I don't need to just have a political talk show on this show because again, what I know and what I offer here, sports and professional wrestling. If there's stuff that ties into it, sure, we'll talk politics along with it, but it all ties in together. If you just skew one way, you're going to alienate so much of your audience. So, again, you don't have to stick to sports, but if you're on a sports show, that's where I think you need to stay in there unless, again, circumstances allow you to talk about it. And again, that's my opinion. If you want to hear more about that, you can, again, feel free to debate me and talk about it wherever you get this fine podcast. And I appreciate it wherever you guys are. And again, we've got some big appreciations coming out here, too, as well at Outlander Media and here on Modern Day Gladiators. And of course, that's our first uh, sponsor. It's Joe Shirt. JoeShirt.com. Head there. If you have an idea for a T-shirt, a banner, mugs, anything, uh, Joe Shirt, they can help you. Make that idea become a reality. They've got guys who have been in this business for 30-plus years, so they're reliable. They're here in Knoxville. You can go to JoeShirt.com and get all your ideas, and they will help you make it become a reality. they got great prices, great service. They're amazing. We love them here at Outlander Media. Can't wait to see some of the merch we're going to have. It's going to be awesome. But again, we got to welcome another uh, guy who likes to uh, – or another company – that has seen the light and has joined Outlander Media, and that is Otherworldly Coffee. They are a great company. They are uh, all their coffee. It's brewed out by uh, Temecula Coffee Roasters out in Temecula, California, but they've got some great stuff. And again, 
Otherworldly Coffee just fits perfectly in here with Outlander Media, especially those boys at Halfle. They love talking about conspiracy theories and everything. So, of course, the blends that they've got here at otherworldlycoffee.com, they've got Bigfoot Blend, Dogman Blend, they've got Mothman Blend, and they've got Thunderbird Blend. These are all medium or dark roasted coffees, so you can check any of these out. They're amazing to see. You want to check them out, you can go again to otherworldlycoffee.com. And when you go to check out, if you want to check out any of these great coffees that they have, head over, type in Outlander in the promo uh, section there when you place your order, and you're going to get 15% off that order. So check it out and help them. It's going to be amazing. It's great coffee. I'm excited to see what they've got to offer as well. But check them out again, otherworldlycoffee.com. Use the code OUTLANDER, and you're going to get 15% off your next purchase there at otherworldlycoffee.com. So that's going to wrap up, of course, this first part of the Modern Day Gladiators podcast. But, of course, we'll be back with everything else in the world of sports and professional wrestling right after this. Shibbles and Bits coming up next here on Modern Day Gladiators. Yes, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. You hear the music. You know it's time for Shibbles and Bits here on Modern Day Gladiators on the Outlander Media Network. Let's dive right in. Of course, actually, we've got breaking news. Of course, the Major League Baseball trade deadline went uh, as we were recording this podcast, but the biggest thing happened right at the deadline. The Arizona Diamondbacks have now traded Zach Greinke to the Houston Astros, which, again, is a just... It's probably the biggest move of the trade deadline, or at least so far, that we've heard. This is big because, again, it gives the Astros that third ace that they've got. They've got a great rotation. They are ready to make another championship run. They've got now Justin Verlander, they've got Cole, and they've got Greinke. They've got three arms. You're going to throw those out in a series? That's going to be tough. You talk about launch angle and exit velocity and all that. It's going to have tough to have a launch angle when you can't hit the baseball, and that's what we're looking at. You've got guys who can throw, and you've got guys who can pitch deep into games as well. Verlander and Granke especially have been workhorses for a long time, so that'll save your bullpen a little bit. And again, the Astros are ready to make a run. I've got them as my American League favorites right now, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, So we'll see. And again, they're going to be able to go after... Uh, anybody, It's going to be great, especially the Yankees in the American League. The Yankees have been able to hit the ball out of any ballpark they're in, but if they can't hit off of Verlander, Cole, or Granke, they're not going to win any games. So we'll see what happens, especially because the Yankees' rotation has just been dreadful so far. I don't think any of them have an ERA less than four right now. So we'll see where all that goes. But again, breaking news just happening here on Modern Day Gladiators during the recording. So this has been fun. I always love it. But let's dive right into the rest of everything I had with Shibbles and Bits. Uh, Of course, let's talk a little uh, Tennessee news with the Tennessee Titans. Their left tackle, of course, Taylor Lewan. 
He uh, was busted for using performance-enhancing drugs. He has, of course, decided to appeal, and he apologized and said all these different things that, you know, he said, I, I didn't know what I was taking and wouldn't cheat the game. Which, again, is something always interesting, especially when guys are taking stuff that aren't readily given to them by the team already. That would be, you would think those would be the things that they would, because then the team can take the fall for it instead of you going out of your way to do it. Also, of course, he says uh, he's going to take a lie detector test, which, again, I don't fully agree with because lie detectors are not admissible in court everywhere in this country. So, again, and again, you can cheat a lie detector test because if you believe you're telling the truth, then the lie detector uh, believes you're telling the truth, whether you are or not. So, again, I... Any athlete who comes out after they failed a drug test, I don't fully believe them anyway. I mean, I've what, let, just give me here's the list. I mean, I don't even need. I don't have to go far. Lance Armstrong, Alex Rodriguez, Ryan Braun, Rafael Palmeiro, Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire. I don't have to go far to know about people who have obviously used steroids or performance enhancing drugs. So again, you're just gonna have to d- deal with it at this point, Lawan and. Again, yeah, you cry. You could be sorry, but again, were you sorry when you were taking the stuff? I don't think you were sorry about it at that point. You're almost sorry more that you got caught. So, again, I don't have that much sympathy for him at this point. Now, if it all comes out and the appeal works, then bully for him. But I don't believe him as far as I can throw him at this point. And I think it hurts more the team than it does him personally. Because, again, you got a left tackle who's very good, but causes issues there. So... We'll see. Another big news that came out uh, this week, the U.S. Soccer Federation has said, and they they came out because, again, they're the ones being sued by the women's national team talking about equal pay, and now we've had tons of numbers thrown around by both sides at this point. The U.S. Soccer Federation came out, and of course they said all these numbers were verified by an independent accounting firm that said uh, the women's team was paid 32 or, uh, I'm sorry, $34.1 million from 2010 to 2018, while the men's team was paid $26.4 million, uh, including with World Cup bonuses, the men were paid $41 million, the women were paid $39.7 million. So again, this is something, and this is again why you have mediation when you talk about all this stuff, because everybody's launching numbers everywhere. If it goes and it ends up having to go to trial, then you have something, again, called discovery where you're going to find out all these numbers and information because, again, you can take all this and spin it any way you want. What, again, this doesn't talk about when it talks about getting paid is sponsorship opportunities and things like that. Now, again, yes, the men have a bigger platform because more people watch men's soccer overall than women's soccer, but... It's so much data. Again, it's all this data that you have to compound and see. And that's, again, why they're going to mediation to find some equal footing and find different things. It's just one more piece of information that you just add into everything that you have before you draw conclusions. That's why I said you can't just go off what it says about getting paid by how much money the World Cup makes for both the men and the women and getting paid the percentage of that because that's just internationally it's not everything that happens here in the united states so again keep that in mind as we go through all of this and once they finally come up with some sort of agreement we of course will talk about this on modern day gladiators moving into more international sports news we had of course the tour de france wrapping up it went to a colombian for the first time ever Egan Bernal, he became the first Colombian to win the Tour de France. 
And again, the, the final stage is always uh, just more like a victory ride for everybody for getting through all 21 stages. Uh, Bernal, at 22 years old, the youngest rider to win the race in 110 years. It, it was wondering, uh, he beat teammate and defender, defending champion Grant Thomas of Britain. And again, congratulations to uh, Bernal for doing that. We'll see how, of course, all that comes with when it comes to the Tour de France, of course, after Lance Armstrong and everything that happened there. Who pays attention to it really in America? But still, a really cool thing. Always love the Tour de France. It's no matter how many drugs you're taking, it's watch, try by biking up, walking up just a gradual slope with a bike, and it's exhausting myself. You go through the Alps like they do, it's amazing. So it's a feat no matter what. We also, of course, had uh, the World Championships in swimming, which is the pretty much the level right down before the Summer Olympics. So this is something to kind of see where everybody is going into the Summer Olympics. You, of course, had Caleb Dressel from the United States winning eight medals, six gold, uh, at the world championships so again that's the most ever that's happened at the worlds so congratulations to him you had katie ledecky was battling illnesses all world championships she did come from behind to win again her 800 meter freestyle medal and defend that so we'll see again as they move to tokyo for the olympics what happens with that but again another one to look at Simone Manuel winning back-to-back the 50 and the 100-meter freestyle. She has been amazing in the water. I can't not wait to watch her in Tokyo at the Olympics. So congratulations to all the medal winners there. Looking forward to breaking down all the Summer Olympics coverage, of course, here on Modern Day Gladiators in 2020, because you bet we're going to be there and we're going to talk about it. A couple of the other things real quick, just an odd Statistic. Always love finding these fun statistics, especially when it comes in baseball to my Baltimore Orioles, who are still terrible. They're 32 and a half games back in the AL East, so they're not doing anything uh, this year. But they did have a neat statistic as uh, the center fielder for the Orioles, uh, Stevie Wilkerson, he became the first ever position player to earn a save in Major League Baseball history since the save has been tracked as an official statistic back in 1969. Again, he he threw a perfect 16 inning. It was one of those where you're out. Of, you don't want to risk any more pitchers. So hey, throw a position player out there. Um, and it was already past midnight. He, all of his pitches, none of them topped 56 miles per hour. But he threw a perfect inning, and he got the save over the Los Angeles Angels. So congratulations to him. That's just a great little footnote in the world of sports history. And again, enjoy it because again, the Orioles 32 and a half games back in their division a couple of other quick things and then we of course will move to professional wrestling but again we talked about sports and politics and everything well here is an interesting story i don't know if anybody really saw this because it's a hockey story and nobody really pays attention to hockey offseason in this country but one of the nhl's top russian hockey players has criticized uh russian president vladimir putin in an interview published uh, this past Thursday on a Russian-language YouTube page. Artemi uh, Panarin, 27-year-old left-winger, signed a new beautifully lucrative contract with the New York Rangers, had been playing with the Columbus Blue Jackets before that. He went on the the uh, the, the interview on the YouTube page and decried the lack of freedom 
of expression in his home country of Russia and complained the nation is rife with lawlessness. And said Russia had better people for the presidency than Putin, who again has served as the country's president or prime minister since 1999. So, again, and he, and he quoted is saying, in America you have two four-year terms and that's it. You can't come back. You've done some good for your country, you haven't grown fat on anything, and you leave without a fuss, letting young blood in. This is what I think. Uh, yeah, I may look like a foreign agent right now, but it's not like that. I think that people who hush up the problems are more like foreign agents than those that, who talk about them. If I think about problems, I'm coming from a positive place. I want to change something to have people live better. I don't want to see retirees begging. I saw a normal-looking grandma in the metro yesterday singing for money. Again, they've talked about the retirement ages and different things you have in Russia that a lot of people aren't happy about. But again, you've got a lot of foreign uh, and Russian former NHL players, including uh, one of the biggest stars in the NHL right now, Alex Ovechkin, who are good friends with Vladimir Putin. So this is a big uh, change in ideas from what a lot of the Russian hockey players have been thinking. And one of the last things he said, and again, he's been far more critical of Russia when it comes to the lack of freedom than our current president has been, despite Russia obviously meddling in the 2016 election. So again, you can see how he tied the in the sports and the politics right there. But again, one of the other things he said was, I don't understand how speaking the truth can suffer uh, just for that. If a person just has a different opinion, which again, I've always talked about, use your brain. You can see the diversity of thought a lot better than just being uh, diverse in your line of thinking and actions with people. Anyway, he comes in and says, if a person has a different opinion, I mean, where the hell is this question coming from? Will I get in trouble or not? Shouldn't even arise. No trouble should come from this. And he's right. Because you should be, again, if you have the freedom of that in your country, you should be allowed to offer the different opinions. It's one of the things I always find, it's a great quote from Teddy Roosevelt. This is where I find a little solace in it. When you talk about being a, you can still not agree with the president and still love your country. Teddy Roosevelt said this back in the day. Patriotism means to stand by the country. It does not mean to stand by the president or any other public official. Save exactly to the degree in which he himself stands by the country. It is patriotic to support him insofar as he efficiently serves the country. It is unpatriotic not to oppose him to the extent that by inefficiency or otherwise he fails in his duty to stand by the country. In either event, it is unpatriotic not to tell the truth, whether about the president or anyone else. So, again, words, I think, to live by. And, again, good on Artemi Panarin for offering his opinion, and it's one that is a little bit different. And, again, he's allowed to say that because, again, you have the freedom to do that. He understood that and saw what was happening because, again, he spends the NHL season living here in America and the offseason in Russia. So he sees the difference and he's able to formulate an opinion that's not happens to be in lockstep with a lot of his fellow countrymen in the NHL. Moving on to one last story, of course, it makes us all jealous of those of us who've been playing video games for a long time and have never gotten very good at it. A 16-year-old Kyle Buga Gearsdorf wins the Fortnite World Cup in the singles action and wins $3 million. It was in a packed Arthur Ashe Stadium where they have the finals of the U.S. Tennis Open. He dominated the competition, $3 million. 
But again, Fortnite, for those of you who don't know, it's your nephew's favorite game. Ask your nephew, he'll tell you all about Fortnite and probably laugh at you for not knowing what it is. When you see kids doing some weird dance around school or anywhere on a video, it's probably a Fortnite taunt dance. So there you have it. Again, congratulations to him. Esports is just going to get bigger and bigger, I think, as we move on. And the fact that a 16-year-old kid can go out and win $3 million, my hat's off to him. Job well done, sir. Hopefully you've got some good parents and some good uh, people around you so that $3 million does not just disappear uh, by the time you reach full adulthood. Moving on to the world of professional wrestling as we wrap up here this episode of Modern Day Gladiators. We talked last week about how there was going to be an earnings call with the WWE. Well, it came out. WWE shares did go up after the uh, second quarter profit beat expectations despite revenue being missed as live event and ratings, of course, as we've talked plenty on this show, have declined. Net income was up 11 cents a share even though revenue fell 3%. The stock did move back up to around $75 a share. It's come back down to around $73 a share. But remember, right around WrestleMania, it was up around 100 bucks a share. So we'll see what happens with the WWE. Now as we build towards SummerSlam, which again is the biggest event outside of WrestleMania, or it's supposed to be. It, one of the good things we happened on Raw and SmackDown this week was that it looks like they're not just going to stop the action of wrestling during commercials anymore. They tried that. It was terrible. It was awful. I'm glad they got rid of that, which makes me very happy. A couple of big things. Maria Kanellis is now your new 24-7 champ. Her husband won it in a pileup to get it, and he was hiding, and she came in and said, you know, I'm winning it. It's just this, it's a whole interesting stereo uh, storyline, uh, but now she's also with child, so now, of course, she's walking around with it saying, who's going to pin a pregnant woman? And she even taunted Braun Strowman, which usually has bad idea written all over it, but since she's pregnant, he resorted to not doing anything about that. Of course, the big news was the matchup between uh, Brock Lesnar and Seth Rollins, of course, will be happening at SummerSlam. But Brock just went out and destroyed Seth Rollins, hitting F5s on steel chairs and on gurneys. It was just a massacre. So we'll see if Seth is able to come back from that and, uh, again, fight uh, Brock Lesnar again for the WWE Universal Championship at SummerSlam, which, of course, we will break down in full coming up on Modern Day Gladiators, uh, I think, next week. I think we've got that. That's going to be happening because it's happening August 11th, so we got to break it down. So we'll talk all about that then. Meanwhile, the G1 continues in New Japan to be amazing. Uh, You had Okada. He's still undefeated in the A block, defeating Kenta. So again, that was great to see the great match. And a big match that I was actually surprised went this way. John Moxley still undefeated, defeating the ingovernable one, Tetsuya Naito, in a great match, again, in the G1. Just, again, quality, awesome matches all around. If you can check out New Japan World and the G1 Climax, check it out. It's the best wrestling you're going to see all summer long. It's amazing. It's looking like we're heading toward an Okada John Moxley final, but again, we'll see. We've still got plenty of action left. Someone could come up and defeat these guys. I'd be interested to see what happens at that point. But that's going to wrap up this episode of Modern Day Gladiators. Thank you guys again for hanging with me. And again, you got a different opinion. You want to debate something that I say. 
follow me on Twitter. Hit me up there, Michael underscore Shibley, or the Modern Day Gladiators Facebook page or Instagram. I'm there. I offer the updates. And again, wherever you listen to this podcast, please like, subscribe, share. Give us those five-star reviews. It helps get the word out to everything else in the algorithm. And again, all the other great shows we've got on Outlander Media. But until next week, love you guys. Too sweet. See you next time. <laughs>